with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsink. With me all the way from across the pond is the gold standard in ghost hunting himself, Mr. Steve Parsons. Good evening, Ron. You sound a little subdued. I do. You do, but happy at the same time. How are you? Mm, very good, very good. You know, I've been working on my kitchen all day, so uh... major renovations. I see. Shackled to the sink. Well, not the sink. Electricity, water, walls, insulation, flooring, all that cool stuff. Anyway, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International right here on Tojanet, Pararex, Ghost Channel, and beyond. Actually, talking about beyond, talking about beyond, we're being beamed live into Vancouver, Canada tonight. Um, where Why? we have, because we have a member of our team out there, um, sitting in his airport hotel, waiting to bring his next load of passengers back home. Uh, his captain or flight lieutenant, James Tacky, and he's listening in. He asked me to give him a shout out because I think he's feeling a bit lonesome all the way over in Vancouver. Well, that's just a stone's throw for me. You should just like uh, drop in and we'll have a cup of tea. A stone's at Vancouver. Yeah, I can throw a stone pretty far. <laughs> <laughs> it's got three and a half thousand miles, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, yeah, James, the other side of have the... a safe. You have a safe trip back, <laughs> and give us a wave right, as you pass right. Strumble. He'll know what I meant. And watch out for the UFOs, of course. Yeah. So, I mean, that's one thing uh, I meant to ask you about. Do you believe in UFOs? Uh. It's uh, an area uh, well, it's way outside my area of, of expertise. Uh, I have an interest in, in uh, aviation, um, and so I guess, you know, uh, you do inevitably read about UFOs as a sort of interest, particularly where it involves uh, aviation-related sightings. And, of course, parapsychology uh, does have a, a sort of interest in UFOs, um, and there have been a number of published papers and articles uh, that deal with specifics of parapsychology and how it relates to UFOs. And I guess it also kind of touches on what Cal does, um, Cal Cooper's telephone calls from the dead, because uh, it's a matter of interpretation uh, for the recipient of the phone call, whether they believe that the phone call is from a deceased relative or indeed from an extraterrestrial. And there are cases... Uh, where both have been uh, reported, where the the recipient of a call believes it's of extraterrestrial origin, an alien, uh, using the telephone to contact them. Um, And very, very similarly, uh, and very similar calls as well, uh, where they 
recognize or believe the call to come from a deceased person. So, yeah, I have no view one way or another. I mean, common sense says that there should be life out there, and I know NASA are actively looking for it. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I, I, I hark back to the, the recent uh, giant meteorite that came in over, over uh, Siberia. Uh, was it last year? And so many photographs of it appeared. You know, there was video footage, there was photographs, there was CCTV cameras. And it does demonstrate the, the sort of age that we live in with so much photography and so many mobile uh, video and uh, camera devices. And yet, we don't seem to get that from UFOs. We do seem to get reports, you know, reading reports where, uh, you know, there was one or two witnesses over the centre of a large city. Um, and one or two photographs. I know there. I know that there are. There have been mass sightings, for example, over New Mexico, uh, over Mexico City, and indeed, I think most famously over the White House, which I think was 1958. Although I stand, I stand yeah, to be mass corrected. Sightings, on that. Mass sightings, mass sightings. What? I mean, are we talking the same thing? <coughs> I mean, I don't know. know. That's mass sightings UFO, of lights in the sky. Is, is UFO. Yeah, lights in the sky. I mean, uh, you know, there's so much controversy you know i was the other day i was watching this thing on uh the russian uh team mountain climbing team that was uh uh found all mutilated and aged and it was like seven or nine of them they their tents were supposedly cut open and from the inside and they fled and uh they were overtaken and they they suffered injuries that didn't make any sense, and, and there were orange walls in the sky, and it's like, you know, I it, it's so high, it, it's cool to read these things, see these things, and, and study them, but I, I don't know, I, don't, I wonder at times whether we're just trying to make things fit rather than uh, really look at them uh, skeptically or, uh, or even scientifically, I guess. Well, for me, uh, you know, I know, I know uh, the paranormal is a, is a very broad, uh, very broad church, and there are lots of people who, right. who are interested in ghosts and aliens and Bigfoot and cryptozoology, a whole mass of... I, I, when we started Parascience, when I, when I got into this, I mean, you know, naturally I have an interest in, in a much broader range, but to investigate, I realized it, it just wasn't possible, um, you know... I'd rather develop a degree of expertise. Concentrate on, on one, one thing. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, my main interest, my main interest, but it's also the direction that parascience uh, go, is we only look at ghosts, hauntings, apparitions, and related phenomena. But I, within the team, within, within mm-hmm. the group, there is a much broader sort of basic interest um, that, that that spans the whole range of the paranormal. In fact, this coming weekend, I'm at a, uh, well, I'm at actually at two conferences. Uh, one is the Society for Psychical Research uh, up in Swansea, which isn't very far away in Wales. Um, and a little further east at uh, Bath um, is the Association for the Scientific Study of Anomalous Phenomena. Now, the ASAP conference uh, in Bath does have a much broader base and will cover aliens uh, and UFOs and I think vampires, 
and of course ghosts and poltergeists so there's there's a much broader range of member uh, of members interests being served there um so yeah i'm looking forward to the weekend because i get to experience you know the world of parapsychology which is a little dull and dusty at times and the sort of more uh, mainstream paranormal uh interest base so, um get to touch bases with both of them over the weekend uh, and of course then three weeks today in fact three weeks about now i should be somewhere in mid-atlantic i think heading your way I'm ready to go but yeah yeah and you know i i did want to mention it uh spooky palooza in the uh, tojanet chat room says i don't think it's a matter of believing in ufos anymore it's a matter of whether a person has seen one or not and I don't think that's absolutely true because there are some people that absolutely do not believe in UFOs. It's just like people, you could say that same statement for ghosts. Uh, it's not whether or not you believe in ghosts, but whether you've seen it or not. I mean, I think that's the, uh, you know, that probably motivates a lot of people to believe in it. But um, there are some people who believe without seeing there are some people who won't believe even if they do see. So uh, I don't think that's a fair statement uh, in in any of the fields that we, we deal with anyways. I, th- I think any of the fringe areas of, of study, um, be that ghosts or be that aliens, uh, UFOs, is subject to the same degree of cynical scepticism. Um, I've watched over the last couple of weeks on Facebook um, quite a war breakout between alien ufo believers and alien ufo non-believers and it's every bit of, every bit as twisted and bitter as the comments that get thrown between the ghost believers and non-believers um so i guess any area where you're dealing with fringe areas of study um you are going to have adherence of both camps and to be honest with you you very rarely see uh, a friendly discussion, friendly debate. They usually devo- uh, dissolve quite quickly uh, into personal abuse and name calling. Um, at least, yeah, I don't get that at all. But you know, I, I, I mean, I, I was asked to present to a, a UFO <clears throat> conference uh, this October, and I've been kind of torn with it because I'm kind of like you. You know, I rather concentrate on the these the uh, ghost phenomena, uh, for lack of a better word, I guess, um, than uh, the other fields. So I'm not sure that I, that I really want to do that. So, um, I, I mean, you can only do so much. That's the problem, I think. I think you're absolutely right. But at the same time, um, attending, you know, I don't normally meet UFO um investigators but at some of these conferences like the upcoming one in bath um we do meet from time to time and it's actually surprising uh that there is quite a crossover between our areas of research for example a lot of ufologists are interested in infrasound and the near-death experience and there are a lot of similarities between the experiences of those who claim to be seeing a ghost and those who claim to be experiencing an alien contact uh be that at, you know whatever level um so there is quite a lot of similarity and crossover between the areas of interest so i i wouldn't 
throw the baby out with the bathwater. Uh, you may actually find it's quite interesting. And conversely, uh, good for the uh, the, uf- the ufonauts, uh, the ufologists, uh, because they they will you know get the opportunity to uh, see you know perhaps a different perspective on what might be very similar phenomena. I mean, the UFO, you have the cryptozoologists and the ufologists. So, so what are we, Steve? I mean, what, what is the uh, truth that we are describing? <laughs> well, you know, for a couple of years, um, we campaigned to try and get a ology of our own. Um, I we championed manisology because that's uh, the Roman <laughs> word for uh, ghost, uh, manis. Mm-hmm. Um, or uh, one that does pop up from time to time is ghostology. Um, yeah, I've heard that, but I think that's been coined more by people that that do that. I know there were a couple of ghostology uh, conferences and stuff. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I would like to, I would like to have an ology. So uh, I mean, my personal preference is manisology uh, because it does it does specifically separate what you and I do from ufology cryptozoology etc 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 because and, at the what, moment what is anybody the, what, what is the translation of that again Man, manus is the roman for basically the roman word for uh ghosts you know as we understand them that mm-hmm. the, the spirits of the deceased as opposed to okay. other forms of uh, spirit so because the romans had several they they like we have uh, define differences between um, you know different types of ghosts and spirit. The Romans also had different names, as did the Greeks. Um, they, another one they had was limures or lemurs, uh, and I didn't want to be a lemurologist because uh, no, I people didn't think I studied <laughs> you know, yeah, black and white fluffy Llama. fluffy monkeys. Um, so or llamas. So um, I, I thought manisology. Um, it defined what what we do, what I do, uh, what parasites do, um, and puts a little bit of clear blue water between uh, pa- other paranormal investigators because at the moment we're just lumped into that sort of mass basket of people who who investigate the bizarre and the weird. Right. I mean, they we get the parapsychologists thrown at us a lot. Uh, yeah. but it's really I'd not I'd like the to same. throw a lot it of really, parapsychologists, really... but hey. <laughs> Sorry, did I, did I say uh, that speaking out of, <laughs> Speaking of that, our, our friend, uh, Cal Cooper, will be with us at SpurroQuest and over here in America very shortly as well. Yes, uh, we, are, we are blessed. Uh, you have, uh, we've got some nice events. I think it's an appropriate word. Um, I think we've, we've got some really nice Really not well. The blessed Cal Cooper, yeah, it kind of fits. But we've got some pretty cool events uh, lined up, haven't we? Right. And, he and, says. And, oh, he, he says we as a, as a primarily for you to plug it. Yeah, I mean, we we were we talked primarily about what we were as ghost investigators or uh, uh, people who study ghosts. Then, uh, then your first event actually <laughs> is more of a crypto event. Is more of a crypto event, in in that it, it's a monster, ghost, and mystery cruise. So, uh, unbeknownst to a lot of people, Mr. Steve Parsons is also a nessologist. A um, nessologist. 
I, d I don't know if there's actually a word. What it is, I think... I just made it, it up, didn't you hear me? Um, I, I, thought, I thought you were using a proper word then, uh, one that I hadn't come across. <laughs> um, since childhood, I've always been probably as interested in the Loch Ness Monster as ghosts, and I have fortunately been up to Loch Ness and spent several weeks um, seeing for myself place and listening for myself to the witnesses and deciding for myself um, and I do you know I can't dismiss it I actually think that there is a lot of very credible evidence from a lot of credible witnesses that there is something unusual in, in Loch Ness having seen it uh, from having seen the lock um, my abiding impression of Loch Ness is that you could actually put a nuclear submarine into it and not very many people would notice. So something 30 foot long, I think, could easily go undetected. But, you know, the sightings still pop up from time to time, and a lot of them um, are natural, normal phenomena. And during my time at Loch Ness, I saw a great deal of phenomena that resembled and have been reported as the monster. Uh, these these waves that travel the length of the, the loch from no apparent source. Seismic waves, because it's it's on quite an active seismic area. Um, wind, wind-driven phenomena. Um, I've never been in a position where I've seen anything unexplained. Um, but I've certainly spoken to it. What's interesting is it's the people, not the not the day trippers and the tourists, or but it's the people who live uh, around the lock and work in the in the uh, close environment of the lock. When you speak to those people, um, most of those people are absolutely convinced that there is something there, and moreover, they have many of them have their own accounts of something in the water. Now, these are people who who are very, very familiar with the lock and the environment. Um, now, I've only been there for a few weeks, but at no point was I ever fooled by a small boat or a flock of birds or a seal a log. Uh, or, one of, or a log. And we did see all of all of those um, that that I've just mentioned. And at no point was I was I fooled for, even for a minute. And I can't imagine someone who lives there and who spends their entire life within you know sort of uh, close proximity of the lock being fooled for a minute either. Um, so there is an awful lot of people um, who do genuinely think that there is something. Uh, unexplained in the lock and the general consensus seems to be it's large and eel-like um, rather than you know something prehistoric um, so yeah, I, I don't know it just fascinates me just fascinates me um, right. and of course from uh, that actually spooky, go, spooky palooza wants to know if you did go swimming in the lock yes i've been swimming oh, are you in afraid to, afraid to get no, nibbled no I've I've been swimming in Loch Ness. I've been on boats uh, across the lock with the sonars on, looking down into the water, and I've spent, in all, around about three weeks um, of uh, stood at the side of the lock, armed with cameras and binoculars and video cameras and all manner of other gadgets. Um, but it. You know, where I live in West Wales, we have uh, the sea around us, and indeed the uh, the local estuary has its resident sort of population of stories of sea monsters that date right the way back to 
uh, certainly the the 19th century. And a lot of the accounts come from people who are familiar with the sea, familiar with the area, fishermen, um, naval uh, naval, uh, uh, personnel, uh, sea captains. Are these people, you know, is it fair to say that these people are all deluded or that they're not familiar with something you know, in which they spend their entire working life um it just doesn't it just doesn't seem to make a great a great deal of sense to me uh, when when that's offered up as a skeptical argument um we discover new species on an almost daily basis and in fact this year our lo- in fact this week our local paper uh, has got re- has got full of reports of uh, man-eating uh, mako and very large thresher sharks actually seen in some of our harbours, uh, very close into shore. So, you know, the sea is a vast place um, and we don't know very much about it and we don't know very much about all of the creatures that live in it. Um, so, mm-hmm. I... Well, it, isn't, it, isn't it just like uh, some type of remains just washed up on a Spanish coast uh, just recently, that supposedly a dragon or something of that shape? Uh, I, I did see the pictures, but my first impression was it looked like a, a rotting whale carcass. But then, you know, it's, I'm no expert. Um, but you know, the sea is a vast place. There is an awful lot in it that we don't that we don't know. Uh, I mean, here's an example. You know, uh, in 1912, somebody puts a ship on the bottom, a, a very big ship, the Titanic, um, and they. They know more or less where it is, but how many years did it take to find something that big? Um, you know, so something a bit smaller and that moves and lives. I, I guess it could it could remain hidden for a very very long time. Um, yeah, I, funnily enough, I was talking to a guy who just just came back from India, um, and he'd been on a tiger a tiger safari, and I asked him. You know, he paid to go on this tiger safari. They knew the tigers were there. Um, did he see any tigers? And he said, no, uh, we spent a week looking for tigers. Um, we knew we, they were there, but we couldn't find them. And they were only in an area of, you know, a couple of hundred square miles. Um, and nobody disputes the existence of tigers, but if something, you know, relative, like that wants not to be seen, then, you know, they're not that easy to find, obviously. So it might be a simplistic view of things. Uh, but I like to be open-minded. Um, I've seen Loch Ness and I've spoken to people that claim to have seen the Loch Ness monster and I don't think they're fools and I don't think they're idiots and I don't think their accounts should be dismissed. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've had our own uh, reports of uh, sea creatures or sea monsters here in New England as well. And, and on our cruise on the 27th, uh, we'll be talking about those as well. Uh including the, the one that was seen for in Gloucester for quite a while. Uh, there were many reports on it. So, I mean, uh, we've got our own reports. So, I, you know, the, the, the sea is probably, uh, it's, you know, I was trying to put out a, a figure, but I can't even say it because, uh, you know, there's it, it, just so much of it we don't know about. I mean, it's so deep, it's so... Uh, vast that it's it's you know it's just hasn't been explored it's simple as that i don't know how true it is but i've often heard it said that we know more about the surface of the moon and mars than we do about the 
the ocean floors of our own planet. I have heard that too. Um, but once again, we don't know. But but that's one of those. That could be one of those throwaway lines, like the the oft used. We can explain ninety nine percent of all light and when it loses dust. It's the one percent that we can't explain that that are paranormal. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, referring to Phillips line that we can explain ninety percent of everything. Uh, that's ten percent we haven't explained yet, or something like that. I think people just throw random numbers out. Um, I, I, th- I, I think, think it, so. what they're actually saying is that there's a great deal that we can't explain yet, but there's also a very great deal that we can explain. But people like to right. stick numbers on that. I think it, I think they believe it gives them more credibility, but in actual fact, um, it re- in my opinion, it reduces the amount of credibility that they have because clearly they're making up the statistics. So if they're making the statistics, what else are they making up? Mm-hmm. Right, that's absolutely true. And uh, I know we're coming up to the break, and, and I do want to talk a little bit about that when we get back, because one of the events that uh, I will be doing at SpiritQuest uh, personally, and, and I'd like your help with it too, Steve, so uh, I'm, I'm hoping you'll uh, work with me not on this the, particular It's not the karaoke, is it? No, it's it's psychometry, and so, um, uh, well, I actually touch on it, but, you know, I'm really interested in psychometry now. I've really gotten involved in it, and um, so many people will read, for those who don't know, psychometry is reading energy and objects, mostly. You can tap into the energy that's stored in an object and uh, sense or read certain things out of it, Um, but... You know, I do these experiments all the time. I do them every uh, month in my paranormal study group. And people will come up with uh, whatever they feel. And and to me, they're, they get all excited if I can tell them something that matches. But to me, it's more interesting in the stories they come up with rather than trying to prove them. You know, I, I, I'm more interested in the story itself than the proof of it. You're actually which, starting you know, to sound like a prove. psychologist now, because what they, what no, seriously, because what they're interested in is, I mean, if, and it is, it's actually quite fascinating that, um, given given a certain set of conditions, um, the ability of some or, or the ability of of all of us to confabulate and elaborate a story um, from very few facts or, or just some uh, sort of unconnected stimuli, it's rather like the Maglitics. Uh, experiment uh and i've seen i've seen a medium sit down with with a nothing more than a torch that was flickering and create a 20 minute scenario with names with events uh just based around the flickering of a light and nothing else no other nobody saying anything no other cues so uh yeah uh, in terms of psychology it is fascinating the stories that people will create are they creating or are they seriously reading them? I mean, that's the interesting facts in the, in the, the thing. And, and I, uh, we have to take a break. So, anyways, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles uh, International with the uh, Reverend Steve uh, Parson from the Land of the Red Dragon and Ron Colette, New England's own Van Helsink, right here in New England. And we'll be right back after the following messages right here on Tojanet, Parex, Ghost Channel, and beyond. Welcome to Tokyo Net. 
Radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more. Located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more. All in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in Ghost Chronicles, The Next Generation every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so yeah, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like uh, Beyond Bizarre. And Cemetery Tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get uh, so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, you'll, I'll have to get a new co-host. <laughs> I am brave beyond belief. Nothing yeah, we'll see. scares me. Except so anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Dan and Ron. See you then. I only do it when there's guests, Ron, so you bring us back, because I'm... Oh, you stink. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd just sit there and see how long you'd go for. <laughs> and Ron Kolick will be right back. Yeah, right. So we are You're back. listening to Ghost Chronicles International here on Togginet, Para X, Ghost Channel and Beyond, with New England's very own, the aged but extremely lovely Van Helsink. And uh, here in the sunny, still sunny UK, uh, me, Steve Parsons. What were we, were we the sea monsters or had we moved on? Oh, one, one second on that. Just for one final thing, Mark English is not going to be on the show in any, any time in the near future. Is that correct? Uh, we can get him on if you wish. We can have him uh, when, when we get he, back from he the He is States. not scheduled, correct? He is not, he is scheduled, not currently scheduled, but I will schedule him for after I return to the UK. So there you go. There's the Mark English story, so end of line. Yeah. 
Uh, anyways, yeah, I was talking about uh, psychometry, which uh, I'm, I'm going to do a workshop at the uh, Aspera Quest, which is October 4th to 6th at uh, Groveland uh, at the Haunted VZ Estate. And um, I hopefully you're going to assist me in this. Uh, actually, we could bring along the, the boy uh, Wonder, too, uh, and he can just bottle the whole thing up. Um, well, you, we, we have some plans for... Uh, I don't want to say anything um, and give the game away, but yes, I will be assisting you with your uh, psychometry experiments, and hopefully Cal will be able to um, comment, from a, <laughs> comment from the perspective of academic parapsychology. Um, right. And then 30 seconds later, when he's finished doing that, we can go and have a cup of tea. <laughs> Yeah, the, speaking about that, uh, another event that you guys will be doing together will be uh, my paranormal study group on the first, uh, which is a Tuesday night up at the Circles of Wisdom, and it will be parapsychology versus what ghost hunting. Well, I'm quite looking. Ghost I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm excited by this one because I think. A lot of people tend to think that um, all parapsychologists hunt ghosts and all ghost hunters are parapsychologists. And there is a, there's quite a difference between the two disciplines. Um, yeah, ghost hunting does draw upon um, parapsychology, but it also draws upon an awful lot of other specialities too. And in fact, um, just a little plug for this week's upcoming SPR conference – where I, I'm actually presenting a talk that looks at the fact that you know we've got parapsychologists acting well outside their their, their comfort zone, trying to do physics and and not succeeding terribly well. Um, so yeah, this gives us an opportunity. It's 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 not a talk as such. Um, Cal will will uh, first of all you know explain what is a parapsychologist. We've both got five or ten minutes, and then I'll explain hopefully what a ghost hunter is and then it's mm-hmm. it's it's a debate it's an open forum debate where people can ask us a wide range of questions and and hopefully the different answers uh, that come from a ghost hunter and an academic parapsychologist will will help to illustrate how we do uh, work together and ha- but how there are differences between our approaches um, and I think I think people will find that a fascinating and interesting discussion and debate. And of course, they may not agree with with the answers. And this is a debate, and we hope that we will be given lots of challenging and difficult questions because I think they they give us the opportunity to to uh, deal with the questions and also to, as I say. Learn from learn from the questioners as well, because I'm interested in 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 how we're portrayed. Uh, because quite often ghost hunters are seen as media celebrities, or, or 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 the methods that they use are seen to be questionable or developed purely from television, and that isn't the case. And and parapsychologists too are often portrayed as slightly bumbling academics. Um, you know, locked in their ivory towers, working only in laboratories. Um, mm-hmm. And whilst that, that in many cases is true, um, there are there are one or two exceptions. Um, so it will be hopefully lots of challenging questions and, so, and, and a very interesting right. debate. You know, uh, 
I Stratton this month, in fact, is, uh, you know, I teach, uh, have in the past, uh, paranormal CSI at Northern Essex Community College. And uh, I sat in another course this September. And what it is, is, and why I'm doing this course, is, is to look at things a little differently. Uh, there's so many groups out there that, you know, call themselves scientific and they use whatever. And, and, and there are other groups that call spiritualism. But we take a look at ghost hunting and we use the tools, whatever group you choose to use or whatever. We look at all the different things, but we... we try to understand the results more as a, uh, a CSI investigator. Uh, that's how we kind of look at it. So, you know, it's not all uh, Scooby-Doo. It's, it's, you know, there, there is some logic and science to it if you do it properly. Um, well, I can't disagree with that, but what I would say to that is that... Um, I would echo your 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 comment about science. Um, science isn't you don't have to be a science a scientist to do science. Science is a series of methodologies. However, right. um, where I where I do stand up and shout is when you get uh, paranormal investigators and indeed parapsychologists who are claiming to measure things. Um, now, mm-hmm. in order to measure things, uh, there are in fact, for every variable imaginable, there is a recognised ISO or NIST or, or IEC standard that describes not only the, the equipment that needs to be used, it describes the way the equipment needs to be calibrated, it describes the method that, uh, for which the measurements need to be taken, and it describes how the measurements need to be interpreted. Um, now, that's that's true for everything and yet these people these investigators and these parapsychologists claim to be measuring stuff and claim to be then relying upon the data from those measurements when in actual fact um, the measurements are not being done or presented in a way that satisfies a standard Um, you know it's 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 a conundrum. Uh, you know, you cannot buy a calibrated EMF meter for less than several thousand dollars. Um, but then, do you deny people the the uh, right to use it because they can't afford that standard of equipment? But what people have got to recognise is that when they claim to be producing amazing evidence, that the that the methodology and the the equipment that they're using uh, doesn't satisfy the 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 recognised standards for obtaining that information. Uh, so it's anecdotal at best, um, and flawed at worst. Uh, and it's absolutely true that within parapsychology, quite a, uh, there are quite a number of papers that have been produced and have been peer-reviewed and accepted as uh, kind of a, you know, a, a given fact where the, the, the physics or the measuring of physical variables is, is so badly flawed as to, as to make the, the results pretty meaningless too. So it, it's not something that just applies to amateurs. It's, it's rather like, um, you know, I guess uh, 
the the psychologists that conducted some of these experiments kind of thought, well, I went to university, I have a I have a PhD, therefore I can do science. Um, but mm-hmm. you wouldn't go to a neurosurgeon to have a tooth extracted. Uh, yeah. you know, I, I know, there are but, different, I mean, there is a speciality. Could, yeah, I mean, but you can come up with theories, and they may be good theories, and they may be right theories, but it's not easy to get them accepted uh, at times. I mean, Einstein's theory of relativity, he went through hell to get that thing uh, accepted. Uh, you know, it's not an easy process, process and, and people laughed at him and, and, and thought he was a joke. Uh, but, in, yeah, but it's in a whole lot easier if you measure it. Yeah, if you're going to do an experiment that involves, for example, taking the, the temperature of a room, then the, right. if, if you adhere to all of the recognized standards that exist for the obtaining uh, the ambient air temperature inside a, a room, then at least your data will be credible and at least you can demonstrate that your methodology was sound and you, therefore your data is reliable. And you can say, yes, look, the temperature did something unusual. I don't know what it, uh, why it did it but it certainly did something unusual and the the method that we used conformed to uh, recognized standards using calibrated equipment um and a me- and a methodology that uh, right, right. I understand was, that totally. was defined now that that way when faced with those sorts of results um it does decrease the the ammunition that you give to the cynical skeptics because they can't turn sure. around and say, oh, you, you did that with a $5 thermometer. Um, and so I think methodology and the standards and adhering to standards is actually quite important. Right, but and you, you, and I both groups... know that, you and I both know that great discoveries are sometimes uh, discovered by amateurs and people not oh, using the best equipment. But anyways, uh, we, have to, uh, we have a new Beyond Bazaar, so we have to give that a little role right now you, you something you wanted to add no i was i was just echoing what you said um uh, uh, of course you know some yeah. of the great discoveries in in astronomy in archaeology in in a lot of the areas of science have been discovered by amateurs but okay in most cases so, they in that case hold methods. that thought steve because it's time for another beyond bizarre from malavitura Silver Queen Hotel. In Virginia City, Nevada, there is a hotel that has stood the test of time. First built in 1876, the Silver Queen Hotel still does not have phones, televisions, or alarm clocks in any of its 29 rooms. Popular among history buffs and those who come to Virginia City to vacation and gamble, the Silver Queen has been host to countless wedding parties, anniversaries, and romance seekers. It also plays host to a few ghost hunters, for it is known for a high level of paranormal activity. While some people come specifically seeking ghosts, other unsuspecting guests have been shocked to witness haunting activities. One couple heard the sound of a banjo being tuned in the room next door, only to find the room empty when they went to investigate. The couple also heard an argument going on outside their door. When they flung open the door, they saw no one, but they still heard two voices arguing. 
The couple became convinced that the hotel was haunted. They were later awakened by a loud pounding at their door, but when they answered, they found only the empty hall. Other guests have reported hearing creaks, footsteps, and doors opening and closing. A terrifying tale from Varla Ventura's Book of the Bazaar. Are we doing that one for Spirit Quest? Or is it a bit far? <laughs> Beyond Bazaar. I've been to anyway. Nevada. It's a good good place. Is it really? Yeah. It's, uh, anyways, it's... Uh, so, so anyways, all the events, by the way, uh, that you'll be doing is on our website, uh, inegoesproject.com, the letter N, the letter E, ghostproject.com, and you can uh, register for them there as well or find out more information. So there you go. There's a few. So, there's a few more yet, uh, aren't there? Yes, and there are. Some, I mean, one uh, of the uh, ones that have... I am most most interested in is, of course, the Harry Price ghost hunt at the old Manson Concord. Mm, Harry, good old Harry Price. The Harry was um, arguably um, the greatest of of the modern era of ghost hunters, and. And I think his his lasting contribution to ghost hunting is the development uh, or laying the foundations for modern ghost hunting. And in fact, I think it's it's pretty fair to say that most of the techniques um, that we use today and that we recognise today uh, were developed um, either in part or totally by Harry Price. And his landmark investigation took place at Borley Rectory. Uh, which has similarities to the Manson Concord. Um, and Harry Harry took rental of the building for uh, a year uh, toward the end of uh, 1930... Oh, I'm going to make a fool of myself here. I say 1938. Um, but he'd been following the case since the late 1920s. He's, he first got involved in 1927-28 in when he uh, accompanied a newspaper reporter after the incumbent had written to the Daily Mirror a national newspaper uh, expressing concern about his haunted uh, rectory and Price spent the next 10 years closely observing the phenomena albeit uh, he, he paid visits but he wasn't actively investigating uh, and then the opportunity for him to take the rental of the building uh, came up uh, which he did and he assembled a team of uh, investigators by placing an advert in the Times newspaper. And he gave them a set of instructions, which he, he put together uh, in a book, um, the instructions for his investigation team. And if we, if we go through that book today, we will recognize many of the, the, the steps that he, and the instructions that he gave his investigators. And so when we come over, we're going to base our investigation uh, of the Manse uh, on those on that set of instructions that Price gave his investigation teams at Borley uh, back in the 1930s and we're going so to So it would many... be actually the feel actually the feel of being on a Harry Price team. Uh hopefully yes. Um and we'll also include because Price Price used séances uh, within his investigations and so we are going to include 
that all of the techniques that Price used. Um, now, Price, of course, didn't have night vision cameras. Price didn't have um, EVP recorders. Price didn't have a lot of the equipment that we have today. So we won't be able to use those on a Price investigation. Uh, but for those who are going on the investigation, we we are uh, planning to, to have a, a 21st century ghost hunting session too so that they can uh, go off and... Use uh, their toys. Use their modern their modern gadgets. Um, mm-hmm. But we're, we're going to base the entire... It's as if Harry had assembled a team um, to investigate the, the haunted mounts. Right. I mean, that's that's... That's intriguing. I'm really looking forward to that. And in fact, uh, uh, the day before the Saturday, the 28th, you'll be giving a uh, a lecture there. I guess it's lecture or presentation. I guess is a better word on uh, Boiley Rectory and uh, Harry Price, and uh, you'll have artifacts. Uh, yeah. From Harry yeah. and from Boiley. So I mean, that's that should be really interesting as well. And that's the uh, day before the ghost hunt, so you could actually go there and learn about Harry and learn about uh, Bully Rectory, and then the following day actually go out and, you know, feel like, you know, what it feels like, what it felt like to be on uh, Harry's team investigating Bully Rectory, or if Harry was investigating the old man. So I think that's... And you're absolutely right. We awesome will we will have some. We will be bringing with us from the UK some genuine artifacts, um, both personal items that belong to Price, um, and also um, objects that are related to to Baldy Rectory. Uh, the one object that won't be coming uh, for practical reasons is the uh, the brick, um, which uh, during an investigation uh, we were fortunate enough to do. I think about 2005. Um, we were able to obtain, uh, each of us that were there, um, we all got a brick um, that was a Victorian brick from the actual, uh, I know the uh, from the actual construction of, of the rectory. Although the rectory had been demolished in the 1940s, mm-hmm. uh, the, the owner of the present site had identified a series of walls uh, within his garden that were... Uh, part of the original structure of the rectory and was generous enough to allow us to each recover one brick. Um, That's amazing, actually. And I, I think also, I think Anne, who's been on the show before, uh, my colleague in Parascience, because the, the walnut tree that's mentioned so many times in uh, Harry Price's book about Borley Rectory, the most haunted house in England, um, as a, an area associated with the sighting of the nun uh, the apparition of the nun. The the walnut tree still exists, uh, much older and larger now than it used to be, but it still produces walnuts. And I think Anne um, has actually managed to grow one um, from one of the walnuts that that uh, she she was given uh, by by the by the landowner. So I think she actually has a sort of um, walnut son of Borley um, growing in a pot. That's pretty cool. Wow, really? That is very cool, actually. But you, so, we I will mean, be bringing some, some, some cool stuff over. So, uh, oh, most definitely. And, and most it, it'll be the, it'll, the, the artifacts will be there both for the ghost hunt and also for the presentation the day before, so people won't miss out. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, so... And I believe they'll be at Spirit Quest as well, too, so... Yes, they will. Uh, together with one or two other odds and ends and a few surprises that we've got off our sleeves. There you go. So that that's all exciting stuff. Uh, you know, it's... And, of course, they can buy... Cal- thing- we should we should also mention they can get copies of telephone calls from the dead fully signed by the author. Really? Yeah, well, Cal will be that there. Was I thought it was uh, written. No, that's his new book, ah. Conversations with Ghosts. So, uh, yeah, he, he, I don't know if that will be available, but but Cal will be there, and uh, in addition to his own presentations, um, he will have copies of the book which people can get signed and then put them straight onto eBay. There you go. <laughs> which will probably go down in value, actually. Uh, but that's all right. Don't be horrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, go on, be horrible. He's a well, you, you, you know, he used to be on the show, and once you step out of the limelight, your career goes down the tube, you know? You know yeah, you saying? see, that's, that's why I do it every week, because the minute I stop, you'll start talking about me. <laughs> anyway... Uh, the interesting thing is, is maybe we can. Uh, last week we had a course. Um, I can't remember his name, but the gentleman who invented the uh, the stone tape projector. Yeah, whatever Tim, it was. Tim Woolens. Tim Woolens. Tim Woolens, and and we're going to do something with him in 2014. And one of the things that we may do, which might be an interesting experiment, is to take one of those bricks from Borley Rectory and see what the stone uh, tape projector can do with it and, you know, see what actually projects from this brick from Borley Rectory, the most haunted house in the England. Well, it's certainly an idea that we can that we can chat about um, because we do have this plan, as you say, in 2014 to uh, do something live, I think it is, with Tim and the stone tape projector. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's very generously offered to, to help us put something together for next year, so that'll be pretty cool. Um, but we've got even more lined up for our trip over there. Um, you've had me busy writing presentations and, and stuff for the last month. Um, so there's, there's, um, there's a lot more lined up. Uh, I don't know if they're all, if they're all, uh, advertised or promoted yet, but, um, we've got a few more talks and presentations certainly to do and hopefully one or two more events as well. Right. I mean, we'll be doing, you'll be doing some presentations at, uh, Spirit Quest as well. And, and of course on Friday night on Spirit Quest will be the, uh, Paranormal Survivor, which is. Uh, something that I devised, and I, I think that's going to be interesting. There'll be, uh, you know, and the guidance of the UK, uh, you and uh, Cal, and uh, of course the American uh, side will be under the guidance of uh, US truly, and we will gather evidence, and uh, the evidence will actually be reviewed during the night. It will be awards uh, for good evidence, and uh, there will be some penalties as well. So, and finally, at the end of the night, there will be a paranormal survivor. Uh, so it'll be a regular ghost hunt uh, using uh, both UK and US techniques and uh, get evidence gatherings. The place is definitely haunted. If you read the Boston Globe article, you know it is. And uh, so I'm really excited about that. And of course, that was the two-minute bell 
the pizza from the dead is here. So yeah, that was the loudest I've ever heard. It have you got a new bell? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, it's a um, uh, you know uh, a bell from the dead. So there you go. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Paranormal Survivor. It's uh, it's going to be one of the highlights. Team GB. Um, versus Team USA, in a very friendly way, um, I hope. Yeah, right. And, to, and I, no, yeah, no doubt until Team USA realise that they're on the losing team, um, then there'll be, yeah, it'll be dirty tricks time. Uh, but we're ready for you. Yeah. We just have, remember, uh, you will, this will, the evidence will go up be, be, before a special board that I have assembled, so uh, only top-notch evidence will be uh, rewarded. Uh, I, I have no, I have no uh, worries or issues on that score. Um, I'm surprised that you've handicapped me from the, from the off, uh, but but nonetheless, I'm sure oh, Team GB will. Handicapped? I, I'm sorry. How, how did you get handicapped? I missed that part. Well, you said there was me and Cal. You've given me yeah, a parapsychologist. Right. You've given me a parapsychologist. Right. I'm, giving you, I'm, giving, I'm giving you the rock star parapsychologist. I, mean. I know he's a rock star parapsychologist, but he's a parapsychologist, not a ghost hunter. Right. So, so he'll provide you with. He'll provide you with good evidence. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it's, it's, I hear the music, which which means we got to wrap it up. So. <laughs> Uh, anyways, uh, we want to thank everybody for tuning in, and uh, for myself, uh, New England's own Van Helsing, and from the man from the uh, land of the Red Dragon. I love to saying that, the Red Dragon. That's Wales, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, Mr. Steve Parson. So, tune in next week, and it's time to say good night and God bless everyone. Night and bless. Goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.